Hi, everyone. I apologize for the delay in bringing... Hi, everyone. I apologize for the delay in bringing this to you, and I hope you will feel that this holiday-themed episode is worth the wait. As you will hear later, Abigail and I will be taking a break until February, but in the meantime, I will post some mini-episodes in January to tide you over. Um, Also, I've created a new group page on the Drink and Learn Facebook page called the Drink and Learn Revelers. I'll be posting recipes and additional content related to all of our episodes, and it's also a place where you can share your thoughts about subjects you'd like us to cover, questions you'd like us to answer. I'd love for you to join so you can keep up with all things Drink and Learn. Until then, I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season and a very happy new year. Welcome back, everyone, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I am drinks historian Elizabeth Pierce. Hello, and I'm bartender Abigail Gallo, and we are coming to you from a beautiful studio room here in the old number 77 hotel in New Orleans, Louisiana. Where it is a high of 86, even though it is the holiday season. Ha, 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 ha. It's beginning short. to look a lot like summer. <laughs> Global warming all around. Got my shorts and sandals on. However, even though it is, it doesn't feel like alleged holiday. Although I, you know, that's all of our holiday um, expectations are driven by Mr. Charles Dickens. Yes, and uh, Victorian England. And um, uh, I hope that ambulance isn't picking up anybody. Um, um, that's too sick or whatever. It was probably a Christmas tree related accident. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so if you live in the United States, our, our Christmas traditions were very impacted by uh, Northern, Northern Europe and England, mm-hmm. uh, places that are very cold. And so we, we think that it's, it's not real Christmas unless it's cold, but it's always real Christmas. And that is, and that is such a, a very new thing. You know, the people who, who fled Europe to come here, and the, the first uh, Americans, like the Puritans, they, it was illegal to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, they, were, they were no fun at all. We're going to get into, we're, and we're going to get into why. And yeah. actually, that, that's a really good, um, good segue, which we didn't totally, didn't even plan, into uh, our first holiday drink, and that is wassail. Wassail, you say? Wassail, wassail all over the town. Our mug is, uh, our mug is white and our ale, it is brown. um, My mom knows the whole thing. She plays it every year on a banjo. And there's lots of, you know, here we come, a wassailine along the leaves are green. So there are many, many wassail songs, which should let uh, you, and by that I mean our readers, no, which should let our listeners... uh, reading with your with your ears, yeah. Uh, no, that 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 meant that wassail was like a really big deal. If you have a lot of songs from it, and we still know what some of them are, 
then it was a very prevalent thing. Mm-hmm. So um, before we get into uh, a, a little bit of history, um, wassail as people understand it now, if they've ever heard of it, um, is uh, like a sort of like a red winey punch. With spiced warm punch. Yes. And um, some people who want to make it non-alcoholic will use apple cider. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, that is as much a part of the wassail story as the mulled whiny stuff. Mm. So there's going to be an extra, extra history, but all of it's very entertaining, I promise. Okay, so wassail, I say to you, Abigail, Mm. and I'm saying it to her, I'm making a big gesture, um, means uh, like to your health. So it's Old Norse Viking-y language. So it's vassail. And uh, it is, so this is like way pre-Christian, old Anglo-Saxon Nordic tradition. This is some pagan stuff. Yes. This is the stuff I like. Right. And of course for... It's like um, Saturnalia stuff too. Yes. So uh, anyway, basically all of our holidays have some connection to some pagan holidays because the Christians were like... First, they're like, you have to give up your pagan stuff. And all the pagans said, no way, man. This is too much fun. (laughs) Yeah. So then they were like, actually, coincidentally, our holiday is the exact same time as your holiday. And so that is why we have Christmas when we do during the winter solstice. Yeah. You have the rebirth of the sun. We have the rebirth of the son of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the big traditions during that time was to um, to, to, like make it through the the winter, right? Mm -hmm. And to ultimately have like a good harvest and have fertility. Um, Pretty much most pagan holidays are connected with fertility in one way or another. Oh, yeah. And so one of the um, earliest wassails... Uh, happened in southern England where they had a lot of apple trees. And so there would be like the king and the queen of the wassail apple celebration. And there's prob- there are still um, apple celebrations there. In, in Virginia, where I went to high school, we had Apple Blossom Day. And we had an Apple Blossom king and a queen. Well, did you all hold hands and dance in a ring around the biggest apple tree because he was a god? <laughs> my gosh I wish <laughs> then and then offer him pieces of toast that were soaked in this wassail broth thing and ask him to bless all the apple trees and make them fertile I'd like to think in our own way we did <laughs> when we snuck into apple orchards and, yeah, yeah. and took a lot of apples <laughs> to make apple pies and to we make We'd fill our friends' cars with apples mm-hmm. as like a prank. That's so, how many apples we had. How we do were, you like we them apples? <laughs> so when you said you were sneaking in apple orchards, my mind immediately went to fertility. And I was like, oh, what's happening in the apple orchard? Mm, again, I wish. But this is a family <laughs> show, is it, though? Uh, so uh, fill your cars, friends' cars with apples <laughs> if you can't think of anything else to do. In the country in Virginia. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so 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 okay. So you um, you ask for there to be a bounty, and you ask the apple god um, if he'll um, bless the apples. And um, this is also uh, slightly unrelated, but there's this really awesome 
uh, cider that's made in the, this uh, part of the world called Scrumpy. That is uh, super um, strong and can also taste terrible, but apparently can can sometimes taste delicious. We have um, there's a brand here called Scrumpies. Oh, yeah, there's a, a brand, brand of, of what? Brand of cider mm. called uh, Scrumpies. It's I think it's from like you know kind of like northern Michigan, and they do like a blend with some Canadian. Saskatoon apples too that are more like plums, plummies. Oh, that's they sounds... do. They do a cool little blend. I don't think I said the right word, Saskatoon, but it's something yeah. No, really Saskatoon cool. is a place, oh. but uh, Saskatch- Saskatchewan is uh, um, is the province. Oh yeah, and the, the, yes, I do, I do think they come from that area. And Saskatoon is a city. Yeah, and I think well, actually, now I don't know, but Saskatoon is totally a city. I do know that, and. Oh, Saskatchewan is a province. Okay, so um, you have Wassailing um, going all the way back and connected with this idea of fertility. So that is the action of Wassailing. And then there is a drink called Wassail that comes out of this, and it starts out being a base of wine, mixed with all kinds of spices, which is sort of what we think of today, mulled wine, ginger, cinnamon, cloves, allspice, nutmeg. But wine in England's expensive, and so soon it is replaced with ale or beer, which is way cheaper, and everybody's got that. And spices were also very expensive, um, but over time they become less so. The other cool thing about wassail is that often... They would put crab apples in it, and because it's hot, they would cook them, and the crab apples would kind of burst and add this very sort of cloudy texture, texturous element to the what we would just call in a sweeping way punch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes it was called lamb's wool punch, which Shakespeare talks about Ooh. in *Midsummer Night's Dream*, um, and. I think today a lot of people might be thrown off by that texture, right? Of having like clumps of pulp, right? Because everybody wants their, people don't even want pulp in their orange juice. Some pulp. Some pulp. Lots of pulp, some pulp, no pulp. Yes. I'm a some pulp Okay, well this would probably be lots of pulp and it would (laughs) be lots of uh, chunks of uh, apple. And the other thing is there would be chunks of what we're going to call toast, but it's not toast like how you think of of your skinny little piece of white bread that you put in your toaster. Think of if you've ever had biscotti, which is like a super, super hard cookie that you dunk in sweet wine, vin santo. Mm-hmm. So think about how hard that cookie is. Mm-hmm. And then once you soak it in the wine, then it's soft enough to eat. Now think about like bread from the Middle Ages. <laughs> uh, that would be... Pretty hard, yeah? Pretty hard. Pretty hard bread. Well, or dense, right? Yeah. Like, if it was fried out of the oven, awesome, but then after a day or two, it's pretty hard. So it was very common to have your bread soak in anything, and so having it in the wassail bowl um, would then soften it up. And so to us, it, w- it sounds weird to have bread in punch in a thing that would essentially be sweet, um, but you got to kind of like step back a little bit. 
Yeah. No, this is um I don't I don't think there's anything too crazy about this. When you think of like where they were at the times and how they're using everything and how this this is a sustaining punch, not just sustaining your spirit, but maybe sustaining your body somewhat too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why not throw it all in there? And suppose- nothing goes to waste during this time. And supposedly that is where we get toast from. Like to make a toast comes from having the toast be in the wassail bowl and then you raise it and you say wassail which means to, to your, your health. health and and that becomes um, general what cheers is around the world if you translate it into any language yeah a lot of the times it's to your health the other thing is this drink is consumed at very specific celebratory times it's drunk during epiphany which is um, the day that Chris- the Christmas season ended um, because of the 12 days of Christmas. Mm-hmm. There were 12 days, you know, first day of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, so they would celebrate all from Christmas Eve to, the, to January 6th, the day that their wise men um, allegedly brought Finally presents. showed up. Yeah. <laughs> How um, wise were they? They were, got so lost. They didn't have the Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> all they had was a camel. Um, so... It starts out being consumed at Epiphany. Then it's, it's consumed all throughout the Christmas season. So you have, all right, so everybody can you know, catch up. You got um, this ceremony of fertility. It's connected with apples. Um, drinking to your health. Dancing around the apple tree. And it doesn't take a whole lot for that to skip into leaving the apple orchard and then it just turns into um, a celebration like throughout the village or the city Mm -hmm. and people began writing all of these songs about wassail and so then they're they're singing them and it moves from uh, being stuck in the apple orchard to people showing up at your door singing their wassail songs and originally people would bring a cup or uh, sorry a bowl bring a bring a bowl of wassail at your door so hello wassail wassail out of the milk pail wassail wassail as white as my nail wassail wassail in snow frost and hail wassail that much doth avail that never will fail it it did not come with a tune i just made that one up (laughs) and but it was probably as grim as that because (laughs) according to some 17th 17th century commentator um winches by their wassails in new year's tide present you with a cup and you must drink of the slabby stuff but the meaning is you must give them money so people show up at your door they're like here it's like it's like 17th century squeegee men Yes. Look, I'm, I'm, look, look, I've given you this. Now give me money. Yeah, here's a money, Ravid. Let me have a dollar. Um, and then it moves to turning into exactly the thing that the Puritans complained about, which is everybody is using the Christmas tide as an excuse for misrule and acting rowdy and not taking the holiday spiritually seriously Mm -hmm. 
Here's what a Puritan, actually an English bishop said, men dishonor Christ more in the 12 days of Christmas than in all the 12 months besides. Sounds like carnival. (laughs) So then the Puritans ban Christmas. And I always think about that, Abigail, when people are like, people don't respect the holiday anymore. You know, nowadays, these times, these kids shake fist at sky. Back, you know, in my day, things were better. It used to be better. It's like, no, people have been embracing the misrule mm-hmm. since the 1500s. Mm-hmm. Oh, the whole, the whole controversy over, you know, not putting Christmas trees on stuff and the war on Christmas. Give me a break. And weren't the Christmas trees, didn't they come from the Vikings? They, and they come from to, the Vikings, and too. They, uh, they used to hang body parts no, but, oh, in put honor the, put of the their Put the Christ gods. back in Christmas. Put the bones back on the Christmas tree. <laughs> When I was in high school, we used to have, we had a door decorating contest, a holiday door decorating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody's doing their thing you expect. They treat the door like a gift box and they put bows on it and whatever. There was Christmassy things, snowmen, so many snowmen in southern Louisiana. (laughs) But we we did ask our history teacher if it was okay. And we got the, an old skeleton um, from the Halloween decor section. (laughs) And we hung the bones all over a Christmas tree on the door. And we were like, Anglo-Saxon Christmas. Celebrate the ancestors. You nerds. That's fantastic. We didn't win. But we didn't have to take it down. I'd say you were the most um, sophisticated and learned, and you were trying to use history to make a point, and I like it. Well, there we are. So, um, so the pilgrims, uh, Puritans are like, no Christmas, but eventually other people are like, get over it. Um, we like this with sailing, not unlike the pagans who said, we're not giving up our holidays. And um, by Dickens' time, everything kind of settles down, and it becomes more you know, sort of homey and safe, and the wassailing um, gets separated a little bit. And now you just have Christmas carolers who you're supposed to thank or... Tip. Tip. Mm-hmm. Mm, still tip? Yeah, I think there was still tipping then, yeah. Or, like, give them a, some hot chocolate or something. I mean, today, like, if carolers come to your door... Oh, today, no. I mean, today yeah. you're just supposed to, like, join them. Yeah, and today carolers are seen as a very... You know, benign, um, wholesome, thing. wholesome thing. That um, my very first um, cocktail article that I had published was a um, article for the New York Times, and it was about um, a holiday drink, but you had to specifically come up with exa- the exact holiday situation that you would need this drink. Mm-hmm. So I did a cocktail of hot chocolate, chartreuse, orange liqueur and bourbon mm-hmm. and I said it's for when you need a little extra confidence with your singing voice oh which is weird because it's a hot chocolate drink and that's not really good for your voice oh, milk isn't good for the voice when, yes we know that us, yeah. us professional <laughs> speakers and singers We're vocal workers but the New York Times really liked that idea and you yeah. know caroling you're not professional anyway yeah I don't expect you to be professional but you should sing and mm-hmm. if you need a little liquid courage to sing, chartreuse will do it. Chartreuse will do it. And I only found out after that um, that combination of chartreuse and, and hot chocolate is something that's been used for centuries in the Alps. Mm. It's like a really good like holiday combination. So the Swiss are so smart. That's 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 my palate coming through. My natural talent. Well, in my I, palate. <laughs> I said this was, but I guess the Italians are there too. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to 
share with you all a recipe from the 1700s for wassail. This one actually sounds pretty good. You can decide if you want to make this one or not. Are Mm. you ready? Yeah. Take one pound of brown sugar, one pint of hot beer, a grated nutmeg, and I think she means a whole nutmeg. Yes. Which is like... Yes, absolutely. A a lot. (coughs) A large lump of preserved ginger root cut up. Add four glasses of sherry and stir well. When cold, dilute with five pints of cold beer. Spread a suspicion of yeast onto hot slices of toasted bread and let it stand covered for several hours. Bottle off and seal down, and in a few few days, it should be bursting the corks when it should be poured out into the wassail bowl and served with hot roasted apples floating in it. Ooh, that sounds delicious. So first we have to bottle our drink (laughs) before you serve it. There's some bottle fermentation going on there, huh? Yeah, it's very exciting. If that sounds a little too overwhelming, um, there are other wassail recipes that do not call for fermentation. Mm-hmm. But there is another holiday drink that everybody's super um, familiar with, but doesn't really think about how the name is connected with its original recipe, and that is eggnog. So Abigail, when you look at a lot of recipes from the 19th century for drinks, and that includes cocktails too, eggs show up a lot. And for people who are not drink makers... That sounds weird. And what purpose do eggs serve? Well, eggs, it's, it's, it's decadent, isn't it? I mean, it's protein, it's decadent. It's um, using eggs accompanied with milk and cream and sugar is a sign of wealth. It's a sign of um, prosperity. It's a sign of uh, celebration. And what do they do to the drink? It depends on how you use it. Of course, if you just use the egg whites, you get like what a traditional sour. Any kind of sour is supposed to have egg whites in it. If you have a fizz that has egg whites and um, soda water in it. If you have a flip, that uses the whole egg. And you could have a, a golden fizz, which uses the yolk and sparkling water. You could have a silver fizz that uses the... Uh, um, just the egg whites. whites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's all sorts of categories that use a lot of drinks. Um, you know, going back to when they stuck hot pokers in drinks, they they would heat up a poker in the fire and then just kind of plunge it into a drink. And that if it had um, an egg in it and was a flip, it would like add a lot of texture to the drink mm-hmm. and, he, you know, heat it up and make it super rich and silky and smooth. Yeah. The, the egg... It, it did exactly both the things that you talked about is as an ingredient, it adds texture mm-hmm. um, depending on which part that you use. But also eggnog is actually way, became way more popular in the United States than it was in the UK. It started in the UK and it was a, a drink of the wealthy because mm-hmm. nobody had fresh milk in London, which was the most popular, populous uh, place in England, you did, you know, there were cows around, but you weren't weren't always um, sure that the milk was um, in good shape. So once people moved to the United States, and it was a more agrarian based um, community where you you had a cow, it was just like right there, and mm-hmm. there were your chickens. Then 
eggnog became very popular. And there, uh, there's no consistency about why it's called nog. Okay, so just nog was an old word for uh, a strong beer. But nog was also a word for um, a wooden cup. And so no, there's, there's a dispute um, about whether it was based on the cup that it was served in or if beer was an element, kind of the way that it was in wassail. And then the beer eventually goes away. Um, but there was a drink that was called posset, which had um, egg and sugar and cream. And now... Um, Every now and then you'll see posset on a dessert menu because mm-hmm. um, all of this is sort of connected. Like, think about eggnog. It's essentially unfrozen ice cream. It's a custard. So it gets over here in America, and it friggin' takes off. By the 1800s, there are recipes all throughout the United States in newspapers, and most of them are for hot eggnog. And, in fact, during Prohibition... There's this really great quote from Good Housekeeping magazine. And I had to include this because my mother gets good housekeeping. And whatever your thoughts on good housekeeping as to its demographic and the kinds of articles that it would write in 1921, this is what it had to say. Because prohibitions just started. Most persons would be very glad to have one meal of eggnog a year along about Christmas time if one could invite his friends and escape the eagle eye of the Prohibition Commissioner. Like all forbidden fruits, eggnog now seems particularly attractive. Forbidden fruit is the most popular tree in the National Nursery. (laughs) Oh, good housekeeping. So very true. Okay, so there, so eggnog is like the thing that kicks it off. And it's, it's pretty, um, it starts with posset, it moves to eggnog 18th century. But then you have these offshoots, and, um, and one of them is? The Tom and Jerry. I love the Tom and Jerry because you can make the batter ahead of time. And um, because it also, because it has a specific bowl and glass that you serve it in and drinks that have like their own specific, you know, vessel that mm-hmm. they're supposed to be served in. I just love, mm-hmm. you know, like Manhattan glasses and martini glasses. Well, there's Tom and Jerry glasses, too. And there was this um, bar called Tom and Jerry in New York that I used to go to. And the decor of the bar was just a wall of vintage Tom and Jerry mugs and bowls. It was wow. heaven. So, it was heaven. So, so it's like an eggnog, but without the, the cream. And you whip it up. Um, you whip up the batter ahead of time, and then you add both brandy and rum. Why choose? Why choose? And uh, apparently, it was devised by a British British journalist named Pierce Egan in the 1820s. And you will now kind of mostly find it in the Midwest. This is mm. um, I don't know how the tradition was brought there, but um, but. You like when you're looking for Tom and Jerry, they'll sell batters in grocery stores. Oh, okay. In in different places in the in the Midwest. So the way that we can rely on eggnog showing up sometime around Thanksgiving in the dairy section, they will have jars of Tom and Jerry batter, and uh, it's batter because because it's. Um, I mean, like, what do you? Because normally when we oh. think batter, we think pancake batter. 
Yeah, the bread, no, or egg it, batter. it's batter because it is. It's you gotta you separate the eggs and you beat the egg whites really stiff, and the yolks and sugar is folded back in with vanilla, and mm-hmm. then that's what just that's your batter. So it is kind of like the beginning of of like a cookie batter or a cake batter. Okay, and with then that flour added. So you take that batter and then you add your liquor to it, and that's how it's served. You or? add your liquor, your rum, and your hot water. So it's hot. It's hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, served hot and. Um, now you said that there are punch bowls. So if you're going to make this at home, you make the batter, you wait for your friends to come over and then you add the hot water, hot water, rum and brandy, like right away. Yeah. And then everybody, uh, you could spoon them all in, drinks it. Yeah. Until it gets it's all fluffy on top. So it, it's kind of like, and, and here's the thing. Eggnog was hot, was hot. Pretty much until the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1940s, you begin uh, to see in the grocery store Borden's having, um, which is a name we all might rec- recognize, um, selling non-alcoholic eggnog in the dairy section, and then you were expected, you know, to spike it yourself, mm-hmm. and then that. So that batter, because we could call it that in a way. Um, leads to this new way of drinking it which is cold Mm -hmm. and now nobody thinks about hot eggnog no i know people would probably be grossed out by that thought right even though like hot custard right but even though a tom and jerry is hot is hot and it's basically the same thing except without the cream yeah no dairy yeah Hmm. Hmm. And uh, let's, so let's not forget, while we're exp- giving people options of things to make to wow their friends. Oh, there is also a wonderful tradition that I learned from living in a Dominican neighborhood for 20 years in Upper Manhattan called Coquito. Uh, around a certain time of year, I'd notice all the bodegas in my neighborhood, bodegas being small little corner shops started getting pallets of um, coconut milk and Coco Lopez and sweetened condensed milk and evaporated milk all ordered. And I was thinking, this can't possibly be all for pumpkin pies. <laughs> it's and, a lot of pumpkin pies. <laughs> and then I also started noticing, like, I don't know, like a, a, a bottle of, like, Jameson being stashed, like, with the ice cream in the in the fridge mm-hmm. or in, in the in the. But it was like clearly not filled with Jameson. And I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's Coquito. And Coquito is a kind of Puerto Rican eggnog that uses um, sweetened condensed milk, coconut milk, um, like three different kinds of rum, spices. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, you know, every kind of Dominican and Puerto Rican grandmother in uh, Abuela in the neighborhood had their own recipe. Mm-hmm. And they would sell them at the bodegas. So. I got into the game and started making my own, too. And, Did you do uh, a taste test across abuelas? Across abuelas, yes. My coquito was um, was very popular. Hmm. Very popular. I was working for a rum company at the time, so I think that helped. Yes. And then I kind of brought the tradition when I moved here to New Orleans and the first holiday season that I had a daiquiri machine to play with, I did a frozen coquito for the holidays. Yes. And in fact, Abigail, I think it was... One year ago, right around now, that we, we recorded our very first welcome. Um, we were drinking, we were talking a little bit about holiday, um, holidays. Like uh, when we said, welcome to the Drink and Learn podcast, way, way back. Yeah. And we said that we would be drinking during every podcast, which and, we did. And I drank Coquito. 
Um, oh, no, I thought I, I, I No, had, you drank Coquito. Yeah, and you drank, I don't remember, it was a year ago. We to, one <laughs> of us drank Coquito um, because I was doing an Instagram thing about, about um, like the 12 drinks of Christmas. So That's right. That too. Yeah. That's right. We've been doing this for like... Oh yeah! Oh, it's our anniversary, <laughs> our podcast anniversary. I think our first uh, like real episode got posted later, but yeah, but we started it as a plan. A that was a ago. good plan. That yeah. was a good plan. Um, so, th- okay, the two things that we have talked about are like ama- They are amazing things to make, mm-hmm. and they, I think. That, and I think that it's during the holidays when people are most willing to like go that extra mile for something that's a little showy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you often have a, a lot of people over, mm-hmm. so you want to make a drink that can serve a lot of serve people, a lot of people all at once. But also kind of puts on a little bit of a show. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're bringing out a special punch bowl or a set or mm-hmm. some sort of uh, special set that you have that maybe was handed down from your great-grandmother. Both of these uh, drinks, um, well, it, eggnog to a lesser degree, but the Tom and Jerry for sure, and wassail, like wassail historically had very specific bowls. Mm-hmm. And they I've seen were, wassail bowls, um, yeah. Extravagantly carved, and they have multiple handles so that you could pass them around. But I think you have to be very strong um, to be able to pick up this, this. Some of them are silver or pewter. Vikings, they're strong. They're strong mm, Vikings, the even the women. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, all those warriors. I watched that show, yeah. Yeah, all the Valkyries passing around their wassail bowls. Well, speaking of shows, did I tell you about the time I put on a show at my mom's beautiful new house? No, what'd you do? So my mom and dad moved into a new, beautiful Victorian house in um, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And they had all these new friends and neighbors to invite over for a Christmas party. And it was my first time visiting. So I said, oh, I'll do something special. I'll make a Charles Dickens punch. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles Dickens punch is actually a recipe from Charles Dickens. We have a letter from him where he gave instructions on how to make this punch. And it is a great punch because for Christmas time because it's Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> also... It you light it on fire. Yes, it's a punch served warm. It has um, uh, cognac and rum in it, and sugar and citrus. That's about it, and some nice strong tea. So it's fairly simple as well. The only difficult part is setting it on fire and making sure you don't hurt anybody. So I have some experience doing this. So I did a presentation, and I lit the punch on fire, and I quoted some passages written by Charles Dickens himself while I stirred the mixture around in the flame and made the flames dance by by pouring the liquor high and watching the blue flames twirl up, kind of like... I kind of did a combination of a, a Café Brulot presentation with the Charles Dickens punch. Mm-hmm. If you Café Brulot being a nice tableside presentation of setting your coffee and cognac on fire here Clearly in New Orleans. we have to do an episode of the drinks you set on fire. The drinks you set on fire. That's, com- that's coming up. That's coming So um, my mom said that one of her new neighbors was watching this and came up to her and nudged her in the shoulder and said, where did you find her? She is wonderful. 
<laughs> thinking that I had been hired for the occasion for this party. And my mom Under goes, a cabbage leaf. <laughs> my mom goes, find her. I made her. That's my daughter. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you are a little nervous about setting something on fire, you can still make something in a bowl. Totally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that all of these are, are totally... Um, Showstoppers. And if you don't have a bowl, I suggest you go check out your local thrift store because I am I always find so many. Yes. Especially since I moved down here to Louisiana. I, I everybody gets a punch bowl for their wedding. I still have my grandma's punch bowl. But then eventually they get another punch bowl and they don't like it. And then they give it away. Like, they yes, give it away. Yeah. There are t- punch bowls with cups. With cups. You get the with whole cups. set. And, you, and if, if you ever, ever wonder what are these little hooks, it's because you're supposed to hang the punch cups off the punch bowl with yeah. these little plastic hooks. And then what you what is harder to find is glass ladles, but you could there are plenty of ladles you could buy Yes. to, to replace your broken ladles. And... Um, and, you know, and don't be afraid to use them. Like I said, I find them all the time. Beautiful punch bowls for like $10. Well, Abigail, why don't we um, take the folks through making um, a show-stopping holiday drink? Absolutely. All right. Then, no, then do you know which one you'd want to, like you'll fake it unless you want to really make it. Because it's always good when you're pretending to make something, even when you're pretending, because you think of things to tell them yeah, that yeah. they should think about. Yeah. So do you think you should do coquito? Because that's like easy. Or we could do wassail or something weird. Just so, because we can talk, then we'll talk about it and how it's delicious and be like, go try it. And then tip of the day. And then by the way, we're taking a holiday. Mm. Um, so I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. The toddy. No, because I want to save it for t- like we may even do a um, <coughs> may even do a winter drink or something. Like I was thinking we could do some because that's not specific for Christmas. I've got another the other Christmas drink that the New York Times rejected, but I liked it. It's mm. called the mistletoe, and it's like a champagne tequila drink. Okay. Or do you want to do something a little bit more festive, like something like a big punch? Okay. You don't want to pretend to make with a coquito. Okay. But, I mean, that's just dumping a whole bunch of stuff in a thing. Well, All right. that's some of it. I mean, or... Whisk. We'll talk about whisking. Okay. So, All right. we're going to make... Oh, but if you... Or, or you could do wassail and talk about sherry. Or, okay. I don't know. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to not push you in that. I guess I wanted you to make Either way, we're going to have to do it after, right? Yeah, we're, we're not doing, doing it today. Because okay. we're also doing it fake. Like yeah. If you're making a bowl of punch, you're not going to really make okay. a bowl of punch. All right. But we have to talk about it and be like, this is delicious. Okay. So let's do um, a wassail a- punch. Wassail? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I just look for any excuse to use some sherry. You know that. <laughs> I love my sherry. Yeah, I know. And, you know, it's the thing um, I think a lot of people don't know anything about, and they... Uh, don't have or they don't know how to buy it and, th- and then they buy it and then they don't know what to do with it mm-hmm. and if you don't know what to do with it you now have an entire bowl of uh stuff that will that <laughs> you have an entire bowl of a drink that you can use your sherry in yeah and i'm glad we're using i mean i think the importance is the apples mm-hmm. and the manzanilla because manzanilla in spanish means apple mm-hmm. so i think that's a natural pairing i don't think manzanilla means apple 
Melanzana. Melanzana. Or is that eggplant? <laughs> Ask the internet. So now you have a whole bowl that you can put your sherry in. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to just keep adding stuff till it tastes delicious, too. I think that's very good advice. Vasail. Vasail. <laughs> uh, do you have any other uh, advice? Are we going to have one, one last tip? Tip of the day? I'd say my last tip of the day is when you are serving a whole bunch of people do as much prep time ahead of time so you can enjoy the party. Mm-hmm. The whole point is to kind of make it self-service and serve everyone at once so that, you know, there's always going to be other things at a party that you're going to be involved with. So please, please, please do as much as the bottling ahead of time so you could just dump or people can serve themselves, you know, make sure you have enough cups, extra ladles, Everything so that you can just just enjoy the party yourself. So I said it's a last tip of the day because this is the end of our season. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of our podcast. Um, it's the end of season one because we decided that we wanted to be able to have seasons that could stand alone with a theme and then come back and have another theme. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also taking a little break because Abigail has some news. I have decided to take a job in Seattle, Washington. So I've left. By the time you hear this, I am on the road or perhaps already ensconced in my new Pacific Northwest home. So we are going to keep doing this, though. We're going to do, we're going to figure out how to do a podcast by coastal. <laughs> That's right, because we're because this is the Gulf Coast, right? Gulf so, Coast, yes, yeah. yeah. It's a different kind of it's bicoastal, but it's still right. bicoastal. Yeah, and I love that you said we're going to figure it out. We're uh, going to figure it out. It, uh, we have been assured uh, that it's not hard. Lots of people do it. We know that because we listen to podcasts where yeah. people do it. But, yeah, um, that's fine. And 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 you know, I I now have all this experience from New York and all this experience from Louisiana, and now. A whole bunch of new experience to share with you all, too. So I'm super excited by this. Yes. Uh, we're all happy for you and wish you um, Vasail. Vasail. <laughs> Vasail to you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. See what the Christmas traditions are like there. Oh. I tell you, I am, bringing, I am bringing my New York and my Southern traditions to my new home in Seattle. There will be the best um, julep party we were going to have the best kentucky derby party in seattle mm-hmm. i guarantee you i'm gonna work really hard on that we are going to also going to celebrate feast of the epiphany mm-hmm. january 6th is going to be a big holiday good for us now because i'm bringing that i'm not going to throw a, a mardi gras party though because i'm going to plan to be back here all right all good. right all right so don't worry about that what else what else should i make sure i always celebrate um i think i covered the big ones 
Yeah. I'm always going to be wearing colors. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to oh, slip into the dreary drabs of you, of Pacific Gray. You also told me that you're going to make sure that your playlist has a lot of New Orleans uh, music rotating yes. through it. Yes, a fair amount of swamp pop. Yeah. And uh, a fair amount of... I'll make sure that we only play Mardi Gras se- songs during Mardi Gras season. Right. Yeah, if you guys don't know that, like, you know how weird it is to hear Christmas songs when it's not the Christmas season? There are certain songs that we associate with Mardi Gras that it just sounds really weird if you don't play them, uh, if you play them when it's not Mardi Gras season. So. Yeah. Well, I am glad that uh, New Orleans will be in your heart and carried with you uh, because you you do a really great, because you are a wonderful ambassador for the city. Thank you. It's, it's that um, bumper sticker, you know, you weren't born here, but you chose to be here. I chose to be here. New Orleans lives inside of me. Yes. It always will. Thank you. That means a lot for me coming to, from you, my love. Oh, thank you. Um, I want to let everybody know that while the season is ending, um, the plan is that there will might be <clears throat> the plan is that there will be some very small episodes um, to kind of tide you over until Abigail gets moved and we are able to continue um, and we're able to uh, recommence our recording and until then, We hope you all have a wonderful holiday season, whatever that holiday may be. Yes, celebrate. Always, life is short. Celebrate life every time you see it, every time you feel it. Bones on the tree. Bones on the tree. (laughs) And singing around the apple tree god. God. Apple tree god. (laughs) Oh, why sale? Cheers, everybody. Cheers, y'all.